The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 4. A Common Night. January 2002. Burning Rock is dead at night, even though it's a tourist town, even though there are constantly people here, infusing our economy with extra money, asking for extra hot sauce, and demanding more reasonable rates at their local hotels, it's still dead here at night. Nobody wants to be out on the street of a beach town after 10 p.m., There's just not that much to see if you can't boogie board and you can't surf. Don't get me wrong. The town looks friendly all the time, even at night. There are lights illuminating every shop, highlighting the merchandise almost like they want you to smash the window and grab an armful. The clothing shops are the best. They've got all the cheery, optimistic mannequins, and when I say cheery and optimistic, I mostly just mean that some of them have literal smiles painted on their faces. So, it's both inviting and creepy, depending on who you are. There are a few quality shops, but honestly most of them are selling cheap junk. The only people who benefit are the shop owners with their ridiculous markups, though I guess you could argue it creates a pleasant atmosphere for the uninitiated tourist. But for as hard as it tried, the town of Burning Rock couldn't quite shed the scary movie vibes for me. Try turning just one block off of Amherst Street. Take a walk down one of their abandoned streets to the east and tell me what you think. Are the rundown houses with their rotting shingles and pallid shakes really so great? Would you really want to raise your kids in a place where the salt air can come along and scrub them away like nothing happened? So, where are we going exactly? Sam asked. He was walking along beside me, hands stuffed in his pockets, glancing up occasionally like he was searching for signs of life on the abandoned streets. The mini-mart, I said. He stopped so suddenly that I had no choice but to do the same. No, absolutely not, he said. What? Why? I asked. Because we are not turning the mini-mart into a hangout. That's pathetic. We're better than that. I turned toward the street and leaned up against the wall behind Sam. Fine, I said. We won't turn it into a hangout, but I'm freezing and they have coffee. Sam rolled his eyes and sighed over dramatically. Yeah, fine. I led the way to the backlot gas station at the edge of town. You would be forgiven for not realizing that there was a gas station there. The city council must have made them blend in. The building's located on the back side of the block, and there aren't any visible signs from Amherst Street. I think the people of Burning Rock like to pretend that their people don't need basic stuff, like food or gas or video rentals. Nope. According to the Burning Rock Tourism Council, people can survive off of surfboards and custom keychains alone. I understood the concept. I got that they wanted to present a cute little image of their cute little town, 
pretend that they were all sandcastle buckets and fancy little seafood restaurants. But it was all a little bit much for me. I learned about the gas station my first week here, mostly because I needed gas. There was nothing all that exciting about it from the outside, but when I went in to grab an air freshener, I happened to notice that they had hot chocolate and a cappuccino machine and a fairly decent snack and deli corner. Deli might be too strong of a word. We're not exactly talking New York here. It was more of a hot case. They had things like corn dogs and burritos and pizza sticks, whatever those are. I still didn't really understand pizza sticks. It's not pizza dough, but it's also not pie crust or biscuit. It really is its own animal. So to be honest, the only thing the Backlot Mini Mart really had going for it was that it was open all night. I'm not actually convinced that it's manned the whole time. I've kind of wondered if you go in late enough, if it might just run off of some sort of honor bar situation where they ask you to leave the price of your corn dog in the tip jar, serve yourself, and please don't report them to the health inspector. Burning Rock is, after all, a tiny, tiny town that runs on things like trust, integrity, and boutique single-origin coffee beans. Sam and I stepped into the gas station. Sam took a look around like he was seeing it for the first time. All right, I can work with this, he said. The place was small, and shelf space was premium. Every shelf was stuffed with as many products as it could possibly hold. I think the lady who owns this place wanted to pretend that she owns a general store. The kid behind the counter looked about 15, which meant it was probably technically illegal for him to be working this late. Trust me, nobody cares. He looked up from a literal crossword puzzle, and I couldn't help but think that this town was seriously decades behind on what it considered cool. Or, on the other hand, maybe this 15-year-old with a Metallica shirt was just an old soul, or at least a confused one. Whoever he was, the most important fact about him at the moment was that he was the gatekeeper between us and our hot chocolate. I was freezing, and if the stubborn way that Sam had anchored his hands in his pockets was any indication, he was too. Hey, I said, stepping up to the counter. Can we get a couple mugs of hot chocolate? Yeah, the guy said. So, I don't really have mugs. He looked somewhere between apologetic and judgmental. Okay, I guess cups, I said. It's kind of weird that we have to qualify that, right? Sam said to the kid. He said it with such an earnest smile, though, that it didn't come off as mean. The kid behind the counter handed me a couple of styrofoam cups, and I handed him a couple bucks in return. One cup went to Sam, and I took the other myself. The hot chocolate machine gurgled at the other end of the store, Sam ordered a corn dog, and the kid behind the counter warned him that it might be a tad spicy, which I thought might be a backhanded insult. After gathering our food, we went to sit under one of those terrible buzzing fluorescent lights. All of the sounds were terrible in here. The hissing coffee pot, the awful lights, and the tapping of the cashier's pen made me want to drive a pocket knife through my own hand. That was to say nothing of the smell of stale fry oil and the occasional draft of gasoline fumes. This was the least tourist-friendly place in town, and for that reason, it was growing on me. So, what do you think of Burning Rock? 
Sam asked as I sat down. There was something about the way he asked, something in his tone, that suggested he was messing with me in some way. Or at least he was looking to see if I would give a specific answer. Hmm, interesting question, I returned. Why do you ask? People tend to have strong opinions one way or the other, he replied. Small coastal town? Three stores dedicated to turtle memorabilia? The world's last internet cafe? What's not to like, man? He smiled, and I took a look around the mini-mart. If I was giving an honest assessment of the town, I suppose this was a good place to start. I guess it's kind of creepy, but in a good way, I said. Huh. Sam nodded, giving me the distinct impression that my answer was the wrong one. What about you? I asked. Are you from here? Sam tore open his corn dog bag, pulled out the fried concoction, and took a bite. He made a face like he wasn't sure what to think about it and stuck it back in the bag. I'm from Seattle, he said. Really? Me too. Normally I would have tried a little harder to hide my unencumbered glee, but that night, for whatever reason, I just let it spill out. Call it lack of sleep, call it the chili jitters. I was just excited to meet someone else who understood. Wait, so if Lana's your sister, I guess I got the impression she was from here. Sam laughed. Yeah, you would think, but that's more wishful thinking than anything. I took a sip of my hot chocolate. It scalded my tongue and dissolved into nothing, and there was no discernible flavor. I shouldn't have been surprised. So, why did you leave Seattle? He asked. I couldn't help but take a moment to think that answer through. It wasn't really a question I had been asked before, and I wasn't sure if I knew how to respond. The easy answer was that this was where the college was. It was where I got the scholarship. But that wasn't the full answer, not the deeper answer. And for some reason, I felt obligated to answer with nothing less than the truth. I love Seattle, I said, but I guess I wanted to make my own way. I wanted to leave and do something that was my own. And you looked at Burning Rock and thought that was the answer. He didn't exactly sound sarcastic or condescending, but there was something weird under his tone. It was almost like he felt sorry for me. I wondered what he knew about this place that I didn't. I guess I thought that Burning Rock was the only option on the table, I said. I didn't tell him the other stuff, the deeper stuff. I didn't tell him that ever since I was a kid, I feared what my mom might do if she found out about the stuff that I kept hidden. If she heard about the dreams or the things that I sometimes see in the distance. I didn't tell him that I left town so she wouldn't have such a direct line of sight straight into my soul. Instead, I went quiet, and I was thankful when Sam didn't push any further and offered his own story instead. I'm here for advertising, he said. I wasn't exactly surprised, but I guess I had expected something more artistic or something. I think TV conditions you to think everyone out there is going to be an English lit major or maybe a student of ancient Egyptian art or something. 
Sam kind of struck me as a music major, or maybe someone who spent his spare weekends digging up dinosaur bones. I tried to make a career of it with just the bachelor's degree, he said, but it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. I thought maybe I could buy myself some more time with another degree. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I got my bachelor's degree in poetry. Not sure what I thought that was going to do for me. I took one look at the job market and went right back to those college admissions people with my freaking hat in my hands. He laughed. So, is AV what you actually want to do? He asked. Like, deep down in your soul when you roll over in the middle of the night and stare out the window into the abyss? Is that the future you see for yourself? I laughed. No, I still want to write books in a cafe somewhere. Yeah. He unwrapped his corn dog again. Who doesn't, right? Not exactly the response I expected. I guess he might have been right. I think to some extent we all want to express ourselves. We all want to dream. A lot of that probably takes the form of trying to write a book. Are you a writer too? I asked. Yeah. Are people ever actually writers though? He leaned back with an easy smile. I mean, is that a thing that people do? Or do they just talk about it? I didn't respond because he was at least halfway correct. I mean, I write a lot. I write in a little green notebook that I keep in my drawer. And when I fill that one up, I'm going to pull out a new identical emerald green notebook and fill that one up too. But everything I write kind of dies. It dies in that drawer or eventually it dies in a dumpster behind a Seattle high rise. It never goes anywhere. I took a swig of my hot chocolate so that I could stop having this too real conversation with the ice cream guy. I choked on a clump of cocoa powder and coughed without opening my mouth. I pointed at the cup. This is real bad, I said. Yep, sure is, Sam replied, taking a drink of his own. He made a face but managed to hold it together. Everything is pretty bad around here if you think about it, he said. I mean, a whole store dedicated to shell necklaces? What's that about? So, no offense, I said. But if you hate it so much, why are you still here? Eh, I need that advertising degree, he said with a smile. I sold my soul to the devil, and I want something to show for it. Well, at least you know you have a soul the devil wants, I said with a somewhat awkward-feeling smile. I was about to say something else when the bell above the door clanged, and Lana and the game leader and a couple of others walked in. Each one of them looked windblown and rumpled, as if maybe they had spent the entire night on the beach instead of just a couple of hours. There you two are, Lana said, pulling up a chair and sitting down at our table. I didn't mind too much. This conversation was starting to become a little too real for my tastes. When you start talking about selling your soul to the devil, you know things are headed in a bad direction. What are you doing? Lana asked, eyeing me first and then her brother. It got really cold, I said. She seemed to accept this out of hand. People always do. It was a lot easier and a lot more socially acceptable than explaining that I had been very bored and Sam seemed like the best non-boring option available. 
The game leader sat down across from me while the other two broke off to wander around the store. Hey, you must be Ivy, he said. He reached a hand across the table. I'm Crown. First name, last name. Who knows? I shook his hand and smiled. His hand, of course, was freezing and slightly sandy. October 2007. I just need a pie. I don't care where I get the pie. I would buy it from a freaking ghost up on the 99, provided the ghost had a decent recipe for short crust. Lana asked me to pick one up on the way home because Friday is pie night and Lana loves pie. She especially loves blueberry pie and pecan pie, though both of those are hard to find around here. Last month, when I came home with a cherry crumble, she looked into the bag, griped that it would do, and then proceeded to burn the whole thing, reheating it in the oven. Life around here is never dull. I stop at the Burning Rock Bakery and find a sign on the door indicating that they're closed until further notice. That's a common thing around here, not nearly as dramatic as it sounds. People put that sort of sign up on the door if they're closing for six months, or if they're simply leaving for lunch. It's just what you say. It lets people know that they should just keep an eye out because one day you'll be back, better than ever. Maybe you'll even stock blueberry pies. I hate that about small towns. I hate that no one can keep to a schedule. I hate that everyone feels like they can do whatever they want and their loyal customer base will just be waiting when they get back. I hate that they're right, simply because they're the only option. There's nowhere else to go. If you want a fresh pie, you go to Burning Rock Bakery. And if Burning Rock Bakery is closed, you're out of luck. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>